Well, my name is Keith, and I'm going to be your tour guide today. Uh, the title of our message is called A Jet Tour Through Colossians. If you'd like to turn back to the book of Colossians, and uh, if you're just coming for the first time, this is a good Sunday to come on because uh, I'm going to tell you everything we've done over the last uh, 15 or 16 weeks. Um, if you've been here uh, along the way, hopefully this will be a good review uh, like me, you're probably not going to remember everything we talked about. Uh, I know I'm the teacher, and uh, so I'm supposed to remember everything I teach you. And I look back at my notes, and I go, oh, yeah, that sounds vaguely familiar. We, we talked about that. But uh, but nonetheless, uh, one of the things we want to do, and, and I, I hope you read the Bible like this. Um, so some of you have wonderful memories and can remember great details, and, and that's great. Um, and, and heaven will all be like that, I think. But um Sometimes when you go through a book, especially if it's not the first time you go through a book, you're, you're just looking for something to take away amongst the details. And so what I want to try to do is to impress on your minds just, just one main point. And, uh, and, and I think you'll see why, if you can remember this main point, whenever you'll go back to Colossians, uh, hopefully that comes to mind and then it'll just open up the book for you again. Okay. So that, that's my hope. Um, we'll see how this goes. Let me, uh, start the PowerPoint and we'll, uh, we'll get going here. Okay. Um, Colossians chapter one. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ Jesus who are at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. We give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love which you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of which you previously heard in the word of truth, the gospel which has come to you, just as in all the world also it is constantly bearing fruit and increasing, even as it has been doing in you also since the day you heard of it and understood the grace of God and truth. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow bondservant, who is a faithful servant of Christ in our behalf, and he also informed us of your love in the Spirit. And for this reason also, since the day we've heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience, joyously giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. For he rescued us from the domain of darkness and he transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him, all things hold together. He is also head of the body, the church, and he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to have first place in Everything. Underline that phrase if you haven't done that already. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him 
and through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Through him, I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven. And although you, notice the personal nation here, were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, you were engaged in evil deeds. Yet he has now reconciled you in his fleshly body through death in order to present you before him holy and blameless and beyond reproach, if indeed you continue in the faith, firmly established and steadfast, and not moved away from the hope of the gospel that you've heard, which was proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, was made a minister. Now, I rejoice in my suffering for your sake, and in my flesh I do my share on behalf of his body, which is the church, in filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. And of this church I was made a minister, according to the stewardship from God bestowed on me for your benefit, so that I might fully carry out the preaching of the word of God, that is, the mystery which has been hidden from the past ages and generations, but has now been manifested in his saints, to whom God willed to make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery amongst the Gentiles. What's the mystery, Paul? Here it is. Which is Christ in you. The hope of glory. And we proclaim him, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom so that we may present every man complete in Christ. And it's for this purpose also that I labor, striving according to his power, which mightily works within me. For I want you to know how great a struggle I've had on your behalf for those who are at Laodicea and for all those who have not personally seen my face, that their hearts may be encouraged having been knit together in love and attaining to all the wealth that comes from the full assurance of understanding, resulting in a true knowledge of God's mystery, that is Christ himself, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. You you hear him thinking, why would you go anywhere else? I say this so that none of you will delude you with persuasive argument. For even though I am absent in the body, nevertheless, I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good discipline and the stability of your faith in Christ. So therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him, having been firmly rooted and now being built in him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. So see to it then that no one takes you captive through philosophy through empty deception, according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. For it's in him that all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. And in him, you've been made complete. And he is the head over all rule and authority. And in him, you also were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands in the removal of the body of flesh by the circumcision of Christ having been buried with him in baptism in which you also were raised up with him through faith in work in the working of God who raised him from the dead. And when you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of the, of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven all of our transgressions, having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us. And he has taken it out of the way having nailed it to the cross. And when he had disarmed the rulers and authorities, he made a public display of them, having triumphed over them through him. 
Therefore, no one is to act as your judge in regard to food or drink or in respect to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath day. For those things were a mere shadow of what is to come. But the substance belongs to Christ. So let no one keep defrauding you of your prize by delighting in self-abasement and the, the worship of angels, taking a stand on visions you've seen and inflated with, without cause by his fleshly mind and not holding fast to the head from whom the entire body being supplied and held together by the joints and ligaments grows with a growth which is from God. And so if you have died with Christ, to the elementary principles of the world? Why, as if you were still living in the world, do you submit yourself to decrees like this? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, which all refer to things destined to perish with use, in accordance with the commandments and teachings of men. These are matters which have, to be sure, the appearance of wisdom in a self-made religion and self-abasement. Remember, that means hurting your body for the sake of religious purposes, and severe treatment of the body, but are of no value against fleshly indulgence. So we say, okay, Paul, what is what is valuable against fleshly indulgence? Well, I'm glad you asked. Chapter 3, verse 1. Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above not on things that are on the earth. For you have died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality and impurity and passion and evil desire and greed, which amounts to idolatry. For it's because of these things that the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience. And in them, you also once walked when you were living in them. But now you also put them all aside, anger, wrath, malice, slander, abusive speech from your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you've laid aside the old self with its evil practices and have put on the new self who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him, a renewal in which there is no distinction between Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free man, but Christ is all and in all. So, (laughs) as those who have been chosen by God, holy and beloved, Put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another, and forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone. Just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Wives, 
Be subject to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be embittered against them. Children, be obedient to your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, do not exasperate your children so that they will not lose heart. Slaves, in all things, obey those who are your masters on earth, not with external service as those who merely please men, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. And whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of inheritance. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. For he who does wrong will receive the consequences of the wrong which he has done, and that without partiality. So masters, grant to your slaves justice and fairness, knowing that you too have a master in heaven. Devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving, praying at the same time for us as well that God will open uh, to us a door for the word so that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ for that which I have been also imprisoned, that I may make it clear in the way that I ought to speak. Conduct yourself with wisdom toward outsiders, making the most of the opportunity. Let your speech always be with grace. Let your speech always be with grace as though seasoned with salt, so that you will know how you should respond to each person. As to all my affairs, all my affairs, Tychicus, our beloved brother and faithful servant, fellow bondservant, and the Lord will bring you information. For I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know about our circumstances, and that he may encourage your hearts. And with him, Onesimus, our faithful beloved brother, who is one of your number, and they will inform you about the whole situation here. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, sends you his greeting, and also Barnabas's cousin, Mark, about whom you received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. And also Jesus, who is called Justice. These are the only fellow workers for the kingdom of God who are from the circumcision, and they have proved to be an encouragement to me. Epaphras, who is one of your number, a bond slave of Jesus Christ, sends you his greeting. Always laboring earnestly for you in his prayers that you may stand perfect and fully assured in all the will of God. For I testify for him that he has a deep concern for you and for those who are in Laodicea and Hierapolis. Luke, the beloved physician, sends you his greeting and also Demas. Greet the brethren who are in Laodicea and also Nympha and the church that is in her house. When this letter is read among you, have it also read in the churches of the Laodiceans. And for you, for your part, read my letter that is coming from Laodicea. Say to Archippus, take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord that you may fulfill it. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my imprisonment. Grace be with you. Isn't that a great letter? Can you imagine getting that from the Apostle Paul in your little podunk church called Colossae? A personal, God-breathed letter from the Apostle himself. 
And I think that's one of the takeaways of this book is to see how important it is to prioritize people and relationships as Paul did in this letter. Um, don't forget, and we'll talk about this um, uh, in the, the Bible uh, study class that we're going to be doing on Monday nights in the fall, uh, starting on the 13th. Um, one of the best ways to get to know the Bible, you might want to write this down, ready, is to read it. Read it. Read it over and over and over. And I hope for those of you that have kept up reading Colossians somewhat regularly, you see things. You go, I've read this a dozen times and I didn't see that before. And, and familiarize yourself with the Bible by reading the Bible and reading it over and, and, and over. And a letter like this, what'd that take? Like 10 minutes to do? Um, it's not hard to do. Some of you read a lot faster than I can read out loud. So, but that's, that's how you do it. Okay. Did you hear it? Did you hear what this letter's about? Um, just, just, let's just remind ourselves of where we've been. Okay. Um, got some maps here. You can see this is Paul's first missionary journey, uh, where he went, he got into Asia minor. Uh, this is his second missionary journey where he got all the way over to Greece. You see there all the way on the, on the left-hand side of the map there. Um, but you'll notice, uh, Colossae is right there. Okay, I left my pointer in my bag, so I got to do that right there. Um, but you notice he didn't go there in missionary number one, missionary journey number one. He didn't go number two. He uh, went really, really close there in number three. Um, but we remember, and then four, of course, landed him at Rome, which led to uh, the fact that he's in prison as he's doing this. Okay, so um, but but notice the geography here. Okay, these, these are some of the churches that we see from. Uh, the letters to the seven churches in Revelation 2 and 3. Uh, you see the little red line there? That kind of shows you the, uh, you see, I don't even see it there. It says the royal road. That, that's the main road. Remember, the main road used to go through Colossae, and that's that's why the town really built up and was established. Then, as you can see there, they rerouted it through Laodicea. And when that happened, uh, Colossae, it, it's, it's kind of like when they build a bypass, you know, and then all of a sudden, all the stores and all the merchandise and everything moves to the main highway, right? And then the town kind of shrinks a little bit. So that's what was going on in uh, Colossae in Paul's day. Um, so uh, if you were to go there today, uh, this is what it looks like. There's some pretty mountains in the area, as you can see there. And uh, this is what the town probably looked like at the time that Paul wrote it. Um, you probably, I don't know if you see the, the key there, but uh, there's a, a, a like a university area. Uh, there are gates, various gates surrounding the city there. Uh, there's a, a sort of a marketplace, uh, but but not not super large, not super established. Um, so think of a, of a very uh, much smaller town. Uh, but that's where God worked through Epaphras to plant this church. And uh, you can understand, uh, given given where they were located and sort of centrally located in Asia Minor why those false teachers would have thought, hey, there's a really good target uh, to be able to spread their own doctrine, okay? Paul is under house arrest in Rome, as you know, as we come to the book of Colossians, as we talked about last time. He wrote three other letters uh, that became a part of our New Testament in that time, and the three other letters are... Oh boy, do we have to start this over? Uh, 
The four letters he wrote from prison are Colossians. You know that one. What's that? Good thought. You're in the right neighborhood. Ephesians, that's number two. No, not first like this. I'll give you a hint. They're all together in your Bible. Not for not Corinthians. Philippians. Oh, it's easy. Start with Ephesians. Ephesians. Philippians. Colossians. Philemon. Okay, those four. Those are the prison epistles or the prison letters. Okay, and in fact, Paul talked about one of the other letters. Did you catch that in chapter four? He says, uh, you know, re- read my letter and, and also read the letter coming from Laodicea. You say, well, we don't have a letter in our Bible uh, called the letter to the Laodiceans. Actually, that's probably the letter of Ephesians because Ephesians originally didn't have the word to the Ephesians in chapter one, verse one. It was a circular letter and it went to Laodicea. It went to Ephesus. It went to some of those other places there that we saw on the map. So that's probably the letter of Ephesians that he's talking about there in chapter four. But he's writing from house arrest in Rome. Um, and I don't know if you can see this. Uh, this is a chart of the chronology of the New Testament books. Uh, the very first book written was the book of. First New Testament letter written was the book of. Let's, 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 you feel like you're at the eye doctor going, I can't read the last line. Uh, it's James, right? Remember we just did James recently. James was the first letter written, followed by first and Thessalonians. First and Second Thessalonians, one of you mentioned that. Then First Corinthians and Second Corinthians, and then uh, we get way, way down to sort of the the 60s, 60 A.D. somewhere in that range, 61, and that's where he writes Ephesians, Colossians, Philemon, and Philippians. So there, you can kind of see it close up there. Okay. Um, now, uh, just some basic background: Who wrote the book? Paul, accompanied by Timothy. Uh, you don't even have to look that up. That's chapter one, verse one. Uh, he's writing in that 58 to 63 time, probably closer to 61, uh, as you saw on the previous chart. He's writing from prison. He's writing to believers of the Colossian church. What's the purpose? The purpose in writing the letter is to respond to Epaphras' report that heresy has crept into the church. And in the letter, he's going to give orders on how to kick out the heretics, right? Is that what he, is that what he does? This is so gene. This is so good that the way you combat heresy is by what? Going back to Christ, who He is, what He's. And did you catch it in the letter? I tried to bring it out in reading. I'm not great at, at reading stuff publicly, but did you catch it? It's like. If Jesus is the Son of God, and if he's deity in the flesh, and he's reconciled God and man, and he created the universe, and he runs the universe, and he was the first part from the dead, and da 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 why on earth would you want to go somewhere else? It's like, do you guys watch Monday Night Football? No? Come on, man! All right, you watch Come On, Man? We, we don't watch Monday Night Football, but we always watch Come On, Come on Man. So it's like, come on, man, why would you go anywhere else? You see how relevant that is? We do that, don't we? We go to all these other places looking for answers. When Christ, what did he say? In him is hidden all wisdom and all knowledge. Why would you go anywhere else? 
Why would you go to tradition? Why would you go to other religions? Why would you go to philosophy? Why would you go to Google? Why, why would you go anywhere else? And, and I want you to remember that. You, you come across somebody who's you know, going into some false teaching. There's a time to say that's wrong and here's why. I'm not saying that. And, of course, Paul does that in his other letters. But that's not where he starts. He starts by saying, have you forgotten who Jesus is? is and so he reminds them and as he reminds them who jesus is um that contrasts then with what's going on with the heretics and he says so why on earth would you be distracted by that why would you want to go back to keeping the sabbath and and following old testament dietary laws and keeping festivals that's great you want to do that Go for it. But don't forget the point of those things was to point to Jesus. And that's where the substance is. Those things were just the shadow. So that's what he does, right? Give Christ first place in everything. Strive for maturity. That's point one. Hold fast their faith in Christ and not be deceived or distracted by the heresy. That's point two. Grow in Christ by applying their faith in everyday life experiences. That's the whole rest of the letter. That's what it's about. Okay. Along the way, we saw some important people. You know about Paul. You know about Timothy. Epaphras is the resident of Colossae who founded the church. He's a friend of Paul. And he's the guy that brings the report to Paul in prison, which prompts him to write the letter of Colossians. Okay. We talked last time about Tychicus, another friend of Paul and his role in actually bringing the letters, delivering the letters back. Ephesians, Colossians, uh, Philemon and Philippians, and he also, Tychicus went back with the letters, and who else? Do you remember? Onesimus, right? The runaway slave who meets Paul, becomes a Christian. Paul says, hey, you need to go back to your master and, and make things right with him. So Paul sends Tychicus back to Asia Minor with four letters and one dude named Onesimus to go back to Philemon to work those things out, Okay. Talked about Philemon last time and Onesimus, okay? Um, Archippus, we learned last time, as a fellow soldier. Now, what, what do we need to take away from Colossians, okay? I want you to remember what we need to remember, okay? We need to remember Colossians. First of all, let's talk about why we need to remember it, and then let's talk about what you need to remember, okay? Why do we need to remember Colossians? Because we struggle with chronic Jesus is too small disorder. When we turn anywhere else for help, for hope, for joy, for wisdom, we're demonstrating that Jesus is too small. Do you remember what? Do you remember what um, uh, Tozer says in, in the first chapter of Knowledge of the Holy? You, you know the first part of the book. What comes into our mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. That's Tozer. You've heard that before, right? Do you remember what he says next? He says this. We will never attain to anything higher in our walk with God than our view of God allows us to. Tozer says it's almost like we have this secret operation inside of us that propels our heart toward our view of God, our idea of God. And so his point is, if your God is small, your maturity is going to be limited, right? If your view of God is weak, your faith is going to be weak. If your view of Jesus is big and grand and glorious, 
then you won't lack joy and motivation in a growing maturity. And Colossians got Colossians is the vaccination for Jesus is too small disorder. That's what it is. It's the cure. It's going to help you with that. So when, when you are unimpressed with Jesus and when you are struggling in your walk with God because in your heart you think, what's the big deal? Go to Colossians and read it and think about it and grow in your view of Jesus. We need Colossians because false teaching is all around us, right? False teaching is all around us. Uh, in this day, it, it came in the form of some pre-Gnostic heretics. Uh, today it comes in the form of the Christian book distributors catalog that you get in. Do you still get a catalog? The, the Amazon top 10 Christian book selling list. It comes in the form of blogs you read and Facebook posts that ding on your phone. It comes in the form of the worldviews that you read on Fox News. It comes in the form in the, the, the water cooler chat at your workplace. It comes in the form of classes you take at college and a thousand other places in a broken world. We must be careful what we think and what we listen to and what we believe. And we need to do what Paul tells the Corinthians. We need to take every thought captive to make sure it conforms to obedience to Jesus. And if not, we get rid of it. And that's illustrated here in terms of how we handle false teaching. We need to remember Colossians because deception from the world is a constant threat. Those messages, guys, what we see, what we hear, what we take in every day. And, you know, the word, you know, the, the world is not the only enemy, right? We've got the world as an enemy. We've got the God of this world. But you know what? Satan's plan and the the filth in the world would not have any impact on you and me if there wasn't something still resonant in our fallenness that resonated with those things and goes, oh, yeah, that sounds good. So you hear the three enemies, the the, the unholy trinity, right? The, The world, the flesh, and the devil. Those are our enemies. And so when we when we think about false teaching from all these sources and, and, and not like just, you know, a heretic that bangs on your door, any message that competes with the Christian message, listen, is an occasion to be deceived. And that's why we need Colossians, because we're so easily deceived. We take matters into our own hands. We turn away from the one who possesses all wisdom and knowledge. Confusion abounds regarding the Old Testament. We talked about that, right? And Paul tells us, hey, all those things were just a shadow. Do them if you want to, but the substance belongs to Christ. So we're not subject to those laws anymore. We need regular encouragement to grow, don't we? Life can be wearying. And you open the book of Colossians and you're going to find refreshment to stay the course, to keep the faith, to press on, to aim for the prize, to hit the tape of the Christian finish line with energy and focus and resolve. What does John say? So we, we don't want to shrink back at his appearing, right? Because we've dropped out of the race, because we're, we're walking in the marathon instead of running in the marathon. So we need Colossians, and we struggle to apply our faith to life, right? We, we struggle to do that. And Colossians gives us two whole chapters on how to apply our faith to life. And then finally, and I think this was one of my favorite takeaways, we must learn to labor in prayer. We, we need to work harder at praying 
and to persist in that. And, and not just the admonition of this book, but Paul and Epaphras in particular, the, the bookend examples of the book of Colossians demonstrate through their life a persistence in prayer that frankly is, is an example we all should be aspiring to. Okay, so that's why we need Colossians. Okay, so here, here's my here's my one thing I want you to remember. Okay, I, I'm, I'm going to give you one thing to remember. You can write it down there, and I'm going to tease it out a little bit. But but here here's the one thing. You ready? Think often about who Jesus is. Think often about who Jesus is. We read it in chapter one. You don't get a better description of the person of Jesus or the work of Jesus anywhere else in the Bible. And I'm open for debate there. Okay, so if you think there's a better one, uh, send me a text, cast your vote. Okay, I don't. I think Colossians one is unparalleled in terms of its description of who Jesus is and in who he is as a person and what he does. His his resume is laid out here for us. Okay, and Jesus is too small. We get distracted. We're not applying. Why? Because we don't think about him. And Colossians says, think about him over and over and over. And then don't just do that. Personalize it. Look at chapter one, verse 21 again. Although you were formerly alien. It's not just he died on the cross for sin. It's he died on the cross for what? My sin. And when you think often about Jesus, you know what that's going to do? That's going to help you. That, that's going to draw you in. I could I could sit here and say, you know what? You need to make Jesus first place in everything. And all of you say, yeah, I know, Pastor Keith. But you know what's actually going to motivate you to make Jesus to have first place in everything? Meditating on him. Why? Because I think Tozer is right. If uh, uh, Okay, I got some A&M. Fans, there's A&M fans back there. Okay, got some A&M fans back there. Okay, all of a sudden the, the Wallaces are looking at me. Okay, all right. I, I I don't have to motivate you about Aggie football. Why? Because you think about Aggie football. Because you love Aggie football. You can't get it out of your mind. All your clothes are Aggie football. You watch games. You, when you get together with your friends, you talk about Aggie football. You're evangelists for Aggie football. You are exhorters against that other team in Austin. Right? I don't have to motivate you. Why? Because you love it and you think it's great. Right? So here's my premise then. If you love Jesus and you think he's great, you're going to make him first place in your life. Right? So think often about him and then intentionally seek his influence in every area. That's our theme verse, 118, right? Make him first place in everything. Can I just, can I just give you just, just a takeaway here, okay? A, a, a roadmap of areas that we need to make him first place. Look, look at the first one. Make him first place in your life purpose. Look at 128 and 29. Paul says, you know why I'm here? You know why I'm on the planet? You know what I'm all about? And it's what you and I should be about too. It's to proclaim him, proclaim Jesus, admonishing. That means counseling, discipling, spiritual friendship. We're talking about Jesus, right? Admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom so that we may present every man mature in Christ. 
That's why he's here. That's why we're here. And Paul says in 29, it's for that purpose that I labor. I strive according to his power, which mightily works within me. So make Christ to be first place in your life purpose. As awesome as the Aggies are, as awesome as a, a sport is, a job is, a family member is, a grandchild, a, 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 a purpose in life, the Christian only has one purpose, and that is to make Christ known around the world. That's his purpose. So make him first place in your life purpose. Make him first place over other influences. This is chapter 2. Be careful what you listen to. Be careful what you read. Be careful what you take in. Be careful where you go for counsel. Because chapter 2 says you and I are easy targets for the traditions of men, for philosophies, for religions, for what's on the news, for what's in the world. So make Christ to have first place in all those other influences by taking every thought captive to obedience to Christ. Make him first place in those things. Jesus should lead in all of the informational sources that surround us every day. He should be the filter through which we pull everything through. And if it doesn't come through, we reject it. And we remember that in him are hidden all the wisdom, all the, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, right? So while those other things, there might be some helpful things there, that's never where the action is. Right? It's in him. Number three, make him first place in your personal life and character. We looked at that in chapter three, personal purity, personal, your personal walk with God. Think, things like what comes out of your mouth, things like what comes out of your heart, things like what you do in life, how you treat other people. Make him first place in your relationships, especially amongst other believers. Uh, things like compassion, kindness, humility, bearing with one another, forgiving each other. And remember, all these things come because God in Christ demonstrated that to us first, right? So if I'm trying to forgive somebody and I don't feel real forgiving toward that person, I need to go back to chapter one because chapter one is this is how Jesus came and lived and died to forgive you. And that's the motivation and the model then to go forgive others. So so don't jump to chapter three thinking that's the good stuff because it's all the applicational stuff. The whole point of that is you're, you're motivated and, and, and modeling what you learned about Jesus and how he's treated you in chapter one. And then chapter three says basically, now go be like that to other people. So you're making him first place in your relationships. Make him first place in your family, wives, husbands, children, Jesus being the center of our homes. Make him first place in your work. I love this. Masters, are you a boss? Are you an employer? Remember, you too have a master. <laughs> Isn't that great? This is a great little takeaway, right? Remember, ultimately, we work for God. Do our work heartily for the Lord because it's the Lord Christ that we serve. Make him first place in your time with him. That's devotion. Verse Chapter 4, verse 2. Devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. Let's make Jesus first place in our devotion with him by striving to spend that time in prayer with him as modeled and exhorted by Paul in this book. First place in evangelism. Remember, that's why we're here, right? To make the most of our time. He says, conduct yourself with wisdom toward outsiders. Make the most of those opportunities. What was the sign that John Piper said he grew up with over the kitchen sink in his house? Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last.
that's a good way to live, isn't it? And that's his point. Make, make the most of the opportunity. And finally, make Jesus first place in prioritizing people. We talked about this last week, the fact that Paul's writing in this his own hand. He's calling out people by name. He's encouraging them. Remember, 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 remember that people are the only thing we take with, to heaven with us. And that's what our life should be about now. Okay. He is a great savior, isn't he? He is worthy to have first place in our life. So let's think about him often. And let's strive every day to make him to have first place in everything. Lord, thanks for Colossians. We, we, we've needed this. Help us to apply and live out what we've learned. Uh, thank you for a great savior. Might we be more like him? Might we minister for him? Might we strive to prioritize him in every area of life for your glory and until you come in Christ's name.